Vice President Lai Qingde touched down in San Francisco on Thursday at 7 a.m. Taiwan time. Upon landing, he was greeted by AIT Chair Laura Rosenberger, who accompanied him to a banquet with Taiwanese American. The event was also attended by high-profile political figures, including former Secretary of Homeland Security Janet Napolitano and the mayor of Phoenix. After departing Paraguay, Vice President Lai Qingde stopped over in the U.S. once again. He landed in San Francisco at 7 a.m. Thursday Taiwan time and was welcomed by AIT Chair Laura Rosenberger. So wonderful to see you. Welcome to San Francisco. Rosenberger had not met Lai during his first transit due to attending her sister's wedding, but this time around, she boarded Lai's plane in a welcome on par with previous visits. Lai and Rosenberger then headed to a banquet with overseas Taiwanese. Along the way, they passed a group of protesters holding Chinese flags. Although some protested the visit, many more were happy to see Lai. Outside the venue, a crowd of people cheered for Lai. Inside, about 700 Taiwanese Americans eagerly waited for the VP to show up. After stepping into the hall, Lai was quickly lost in the crowd, with participants rushing to embrace him. I will do my utmost to use peace as my beacon and democracy as my compass to lead Taiwan forward. And our commitment to help Taiwan's self-defense capacity is rock solid, just as the U.S.-Taiwan friendship is unwavering. At the banquet, two guests caught media attention. One was Phoenix Mayor Kate Gallego, who visited Taiwan in July. Speaking at the event, she said she was delighted with TSMC's 40 billion U.S. dollar investment in her country. The other guest was former U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security Janet Napolitano. I love Taiwan, and we are proud to call you and Taiwan true friends and partners in this wonderful experiment that is free enterprise, freedom, and democracy. According to political analysts, Lai has used his trip to show he's ready to lead. They say his welcome by U.S. officials is a sharp rebuke to claims he's mistrusted by Washington. As Vice President Lai Qingde wraps up his trip, a new rumor is getting traction online concerning his time in Paraguay. A social media post claims that Lai agreed to spend more than 10 billion NT on social housing in Paraguay. The post alleges that during his Paraguay state visit, he signed a deal to build single-family villas. But the presidential office denies the claim, saying that Lai signed nothing during his visit. It says the rumor is part of a disinformation campaign meant to undermine Taiwan's diplomatic efforts. In a post on the PTT online forum, the title reads, Another 10 billion NT for Paraguay to build social housing. The post claims that during Vice President Lai Ching De's visit to Paraguay, he signed an agreement with President Santiago Peña, pledging to invest 320 million US dollars, or about 10.1 billion NT, to build social housing in Paraguay over the next five years. The post contains a photo of the supposed agreement, as well as images of the 
single-family villas that Taiwan would allegedly build in Paraguay. The forum user called on Lai to bring Paraguay's housing justice to Taiwan. A DPP lawmaker and the presidential office have denounced the post as disinformation. In the supposed agreement, the Spanish text says that the total amount of cooperation funds is 150 million U.S. dollars, but the numerals say 320 million U.S. dollars. It's sloppy work. The document was also signed in December 2023. As you all know, it's only August now, so what are we looking at here? And the signatures are all forged. The fact is that during his state visit, Vice President Lai Qingde did not sign any documents with the government of Paraguay. The pictures and signatures in the rumor were forged with the intention of spreading disinformation to confuse the people of Taiwan. It is clearly a deliberate attempt to attack the government. After a preliminary investigation, it has been determined that this is part of a systemic disinformation campaign carried out jointly by foreign and domestic actors to undermine. Taiwan's diplomatic efforts. The foreign ministry's stance on disinformation is just like our stance on sexual harassment, zero tolerance. The ministry reported the incident to police immediately, and the Criminal Investigation Bureau has received all the relevant documents provided by the foreign ministry. The foreign ministry urged the public not to believe or share the post with others. It said that the key to fighting cognitive warfare was to enhance one's own awareness and knowledge. Taiwan has completed three days of missile tests and verifications at the Jopong base in Pingdong. Late Wednesday evening, the military launched a missile with a two-stage ignition process. The missile is believed to be the classified Xiongfeng 2E. This missile was in the air for more than an hour. Standard cruise missiles travel at a speed between 900 and 1,000 kilometers an hour, so it's reasonable to estimate the missile's range as 1,000 to 1,600 kilometers. This would cover the enemy's eastern, central, and southern theater of operations, that is to say, both first- and second-line enemy bases, including airports, command centers, relevant ports, and troop assembly points. The U.S.'s Tomahawk cruise missiles use military-grade GPS and terrain contour matching to hug the ground during flight. Taiwan's Xiongfeng missile series and its Xiongfeng 2E also use GPS for mid-course guidance, but it integrates GPS data in more languages, including data from European positioning satellites to improve its anti-jamming capabilities. The Xiongfeng 2E is said to be similar in function as the U.S.'s Tomahawk cruise missile. On Thursday morning, the military launched four missiles in quick succession, including the Tiangong-2 and Tiangong-3. All four successfully hit their targets. The dining sector is in full expansion mode after three lean years due to the pandemic. To drive recruitment, the Chunshuitang Tea House hiked wages by 8% to 12% in March. It also rolled out flexible work schedules with an eye on recruiting middle-aged and older workers. While Prime is also hunting for staff to fill 50 new locations. This month, it raised wages at its Chinese dining branches by as much as 12%.
a lobster bigger than your hand sizzles on a hot plate, releasing a mouth-watering aroma. This chain restaurant attracts diners with its tasty dishes. To attract employees, it's raised salaries for the third time this year. We've reached our target of opening 50 new shops early, so we're looking to fill 500 full-time vacancies. For that, we've decided to raise salaries for the third time this year. In the first half of the year, we were the teppanyaki restaurant brand with the largest salary increase. Altogether, we've hiked salaries by almost 12%. As of July, restaurant operations staff have started at 40,000 NT at Wild Prime's teppanyaki brand. Newcomers without experience have started at 36,000 NT. This month, wages got an 8% boost at the group's Chinese dining brands, with newcomers starting at 35,000 NT. Hot pot chain Zhu Jian is also expanding. It's announced its fourth pay raise this year and two annual revenue shares for supervisors. The company is hoping to fill 1,000 vacancies. Back in March, the Chun Shui Tang Tea House raised salaries by 8 to 12 percent. It also introduced flexible work schedules for middle-aged and older employees. At the start of August, Mala International Catering Group raised salaries by 2 to 5,000 NT a month. The hot pot chain aims to attract talented staff. We expect to expand to 50 outlets in Taiwan this year, so we have a labor shortage of about 20%, that is, between 300 and 400 employees. We welcome anyone, from fresh graduates, people re-entering the job market, and middle-aged and older applicants to join us. Restaurants are raising wages to boost recruitment and to drive their growth in the food and beverage sector. The Labor Ministry signals that it will raise the minimum wage next year to shield consumers from inflation. The decision will be formally announced next month when the ministry's wage review committee convenes. But according to Labor Minister Xu Mingchun, there's already a consensus to raise wages. When asked for comment, industry group leader Paul Xu said that a 3% increase would be acceptable given inflationary pressures. But he said that inflation concerns should be tempered by factors such as Taiwan's economic slowdown. Let's hear from him. From this January to July, exports fell 17% and imports also dropped 20%. Among the four Asian tigers, Taiwan has suffered the most. Rising commodity prices, of course, are a very important factor when considering basic wage adjustments. But other factors to consider are slowing economic growth and furlough figures, which currently exceed 10,000. In particular, the manufacturing sector has been under considerable strain. In the second quarter, the working group noted that domestic demand was good, but external demand was affected by the global economic climate. The committee will have final discussions to assess the impact of these intertwined factors. Based on the latest economic indicators, the upcoming wage adjustment should fall between 3% to 3.2%. This would take the monthly wage beyond 27,000 NT. The hourly wage would raise, rise to 182 NT. If the wage hike is approved, it would be the Thai administration's eighth raise in seven years. So far, the government has increased the monthly wage by 32% and hourly rates by 47%.
Ethereum creator Vitalik Buterin has been granted a Taiwan employment gold card. The Russian-Canadian programmer is a leading figure in cryptocurrency. He says Taiwan is home to a robust Ethereum community and that the card will let him visit more easily in the future. <laughs> line by line, Digital Minister Audrey Tang teaches a Taiwanese oldie to Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin. Tang also presented Buterin with a green bag of guai guai snacks, an indispensable amulet in the tech industry. The snacks are said to make machines behave. Buterin co-founded Ethereum at the age of 19 and made his mark in software development. He later launched Blockchain 2.0, making significant contributions to the field of cryptocurrency. He's visiting Taiwan to attend a tech event and also to collect a Taiwan Employment Gold Card, which will let him enter and leave Taiwan freely for three years. I've come to Taiwan many times before, and I liked it a lot every time. We have a great Ethereum community here in Taiwan. With the Gold Card, it'll be easier for me to come over more. Buterin spoke on his fondness for Taiwan. Armed with a gold card, he can visit frequently for digital collaboration, bolstering Taiwan's ties with the world. American chip designer Qualcomm may be cutting staff again, as it grapples with disappointing growth. And this round of layoffs could reach Taiwan. According to online rumors, the chip company will cut 200 employees at Xinzhu Science Park. The list of staff will reportedly be released in October. Qualcomm already reduced staff last year in this month, March. Here in Taiwan, hundreds of tech workers have already lost their jobs to slowing global demand. Flat panel maker Inolux has encouraged staff to retire early. As of the end of June, more than 300 employees had applied for the retirement package. This month, AU Optronics will shut down two production lines in Tainan, affecting 200 staff. Back in February, Micron Technology made sizable cuts to salaries and bonuses. Experts believe that layoffs are far from over and will soon extend from hardware to software. We now look across the strait to China, where millions of people have turned to driving taxis to survive. As of June 30th, China had issued 5.79 million driving licenses for online taxi services. That's a 45% increase compared to last year. In China's major cities, long lines of waiting taxicabs are now a common sight. According to experts, the influx of cabbies is a sign of widespread unemployment and trouble in China's economy. Underneath the overpass, taxis are bumper to bumper as far as the eye can see. In many major cities of China, there are now far more cabs than customers. 
On the morning of August 14th at Dashing International Airport, there were 150 taxis in line. I had to wait five hours before getting a journey. The trip was 48 kilometers and I earned 162 yuan. Then I picked up a 7.4 kilometer journey and made 26 yuan. I spent six hours on two rides and made 188 yuan. With China's unemployment rate surging, the jobless have turned to driving to survive. As of this June, China had granted 5.79 million taxi licenses, a yearly increase of 45 percent. In cities like Shanghai and Changsha, authorities have suspended applications for transport service permits. The sharp increase in taxi cabs signals that the unemployment crisis is not limited to the 18 to 24 year old demographic. It may extend to those in the 30s, 40s, and even people aged 45 and older. Starting this August, the release of urban unemployment rates for youth and other age groups across the country will be suspended. Amid rising joblessness, China has stopped releasing its youth unemployment rate. According to Peking University professor Zhang Dandan, the true youth unemployment rate may have hit 46.5 percent in March. That's well above the official rate of 19.7 percent. When Biden was running for president, he said that China's economy was heading toward recession. This remark may have dealt a blow to Xi Jinping's confidence to the point where he's covering up the data altogether so that no one can see the real situation. But what happens when you conceal data is that international investors have no way of assessing the state of China's economy; they can't make effective investments. Recently, the biggest impact of this might be seen in the exchange rate. So far this year, the Chinese yuan has depreciated by about five percent against the U.S. dollar, making it the worst-performing currency in Asia. Experts say that China's economic recession caused the plight of its major property developer, Country Garden. By moving to scrub official data, China is only worsening investor fears, driving a vicious cycle of economic woes. A new synthetic protein made of fungus has been unveiled by food scientists. The team from Hongguang University in Taichung are excited about the many different uses of their new vegan protein. It can replace animal products in ice cream and bread, and even from vegan meat. We spoke to some of the development team to find out what makes this new option attractive. There's nothing like a sweet and tasty ice cream on a sizzling summer day. These vegan ice creams are irresistible. You might never guess they contain no dairy whatsoever. Hongguang University has teamed up with industry partners to produce these vegan ice creams. They use a fungus protein to replace dairy. The same innovation can also be used in baked goods. Press as hard as you like. This loaf of bread will just spring right back up. The fungus protein provides softness and extends the expiry date of the bread by two days. Nowadays, people want health and nutrition. Plain toasting bread is a very trendy ingredient, and I think it works really well in this. The fungus contains lots of protein and fiber, so it can be used as a substrate for meat. The protein can be used to create vegan meat as well as sweet treats and breads. Its chewy texture is considered meaty, making it an interesting new option for foodies who want to take the animals off their plates.
A child is had to put on their helmet and check the harness. Care is needed for each step in the process of getting ready to climb a tree. Taidong Forest Park offers these tree climbing events to bring people closer to nature and help them take care of their emotions. It's very cool and fun and it feels good. It's relaxing. I feel relaxed. Tree climbing is good for young and old alike, but it does take some expertise, both to set up and to climb. The climbing wear and ropes, as well as the techniques, all require an expert on hand for guidance. Tree climbing and rock climbing are quite different. You pull some of the main ropes much tighter for rock climbing. In tree climbing, you need to keep your legs really relaxed to make it easy to reach out with the legs. Climbing coach Xu Yueping throws the rope out. Her students range in age from 4 to 60. But this is not her only job. My main job is social work. At that time, I wanted to find a tool I was good at to offer adventure therapy. Recovery means that after we're injured and we've gotten good care, then we recover. Trees are just the same. Taidong Forest Park is a national wetland and a conservation forest. It has beautiful natural scenery. We wanted to see how we could use it imaginatively. As a Taidong native, she knows how beautiful her county is. She combines her social care expertise with a tree climbing mastery in these special classes. Students learn not just how to climb, but also learn about how to prune trees and ecological knowledge, and how to relax in the arms of a woody friend.